glad that you're here today. And for everyone on the stream, good morning. We're glad that you're here as well. And uh, I just wanted to take the opportunity to encourage you guys to continue uh, to think about volunteering for Easter. Um, it's going to be really important uh, for us to be able to have people to help others when they come. And so if you could do that, that'd be great. Uh, we could use your help, whether it's hospitality or the parking team or uh, with JAR Kids. Uh, there are endless ways that you could help serve on that day, and that would help us. So get on uh, the app and go ahead and sign up for that. Or for those of you here, just check the blue box and we'll get in connection with you uh, for that. So uh, please do that. The second thing is uh, invite people. Uh, statistics tell us that 60% of all people would come on Easter if we simply invited them. So I want to encourage you, just invite them and uh, see what would happen. Invite your neighbors, because that's what we've been talking about, your coworkers, friends, family, and let's uh, see what God can do uh, this Easter in the midst of a pandemic of crazy uh, to see what he can do in the midst of that. Are you with me? All right, good, good. We're going to see what happens then. All right, let's pray, and uh, then we'll jump into the teaching. Let's pray. Well, God, we uh, thank you so much uh, for this day, that you've given us this day to be able to honor you and to grow closer to you. And God, we thank you so much that for everyone who's here and on the stream, that we get the opportunity to invite and encourage some other folks to come and to be a part of our Easter celebration. And so, God, would you help us to do our best inviting? Help us maybe to do some act of kindness this week with the free card to one of our neighbors or a coworker or a friend and to kind of prime the pump to let them know, oh, wow, these people are genuine. They really do care for me. And then secondly, God, to give an invitation to invite them to come. We pray in advance, God, that there would be many lives that are transformed this Easter uh, in this place and on this stream. Give us faith to believe, God, and the energy to invite others. Uh, Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you would come and you would meet us at our greatest need today. And that we would hear from you. And that we would learn what it means to be able to show grace and give hope to our neighbors. God, I pray right now that you would speak through your servant so that lives would be changed and your name would be made great. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have not always been a good neighbor. In fact, there was a season of my life in which not only did I not know my neighbors, but to be truthful, I didn't really care about my neighbors. And I hate to say it, but part of that was during a season in which I was a pastor. The first two years being a pastor, I was not much of a neighbor. In fact, uh, this is the house that I lived in, which uh, is a parsonage. It's actually a house that the church buys for the pastor to stay in. And 
while I was in that particular house, I didn't know any of my neighbors and I didn't really care to know them. And the only people that I did know were those that lived right across the street. And the only reason I knew them is because they went to the church that I actually pastored. But I didn't know any of my neighbors. And then one particular day, uh, all of that changed. I was sitting on my front porch uh, because we kind of lived in Mayberry, uh, uh, Andy Griffith show. Everybody had a porch. And I was sitting on my porch one evening when all of a sudden all these emergency vehicles started coming down the street. And they stopped two houses down from where the parsonage was. Now, I wasn't shocked that they had stopped by this house because the police had been to that house different times before. This was the house where they played heavy metal music late at night and the police would have to come and say, you've got to turn it down. This was the house where kids would come out uh, smoking different things and then they would come to the church parking lot and they would smoke their weed or their cigarettes and they would leave their cigarette butts on the church parking lot. Well, we were not having that in Flora, Indiana. And so we actually kicked them out of the parking lot a few times. And... I watched on that particular night all of these police and ambulance and fire there. And I kind of looked down at that and I thought to myself, Chris, don't get involved. Like, just don't get involved. And I remember turning around, going back into the house, and I closed the door on my neighbors. And the next day, I learned that my neighbor had taken his life in front of his wife and his three kids. And I didn't know a single one of their names. So I want to ask you today, do you know the names of your neighbors? Do you know what they do? Do they know you? Would they actually say that they like living Next to you. If you were to move, would your neighbors even know that you were gone? We're in the middle of a series called Love Where You Live. And what we're talking about is the importance of us obeying the greatest commandment that Jesus ever gave, which was to love God and to love your neighbor. He actually said they're equal. Uh, that it, you can't say, oh, I love God, but you hate your neighbor. That, that means you don't, you don't love God. And so there's this commitment to love God and love your neighbor that he says you have to choose if you're going to follow me. Now, the hard question is, how do we do it? How do we interact and love our neighbors? Well, God must have known that you and I would struggle with this big question this morning. And so uh, Peter 
one of Jesus's closest followers and uh, the person who he put as the point person of the church gave us a perspective on how you and I are supposed to interact with our neighbors. So before I jump into First uh, Peter chapter 3, I want to kind of give you a little bit of background about Peter and what's going on. Now, like I said, Peter was chosen by Jesus to be the rock, to be the person who would be the point person of the early church. Now, in Catholic circles, they'll often say that Peter was our first pope. He was the first person who had a commitment of leading the church. Was Peter is kind of leading the church after Jesus has uh, died and rose again and ascended to heaven. He says, Peter, I want you to be the point person and he's leading the church. But what Peter finds out very quickly is that the neighbors who are near these Christians who are following Jesus do not like them. And in the first century, uh, their neighbors were torturing and actually persecuting and even killing some of the Christians. So you can imagine that if your neighbors are persecuting you, if they're putting you down, you may be a little bit fearful of your neighbors. You may not want to take some cookies over to them because you don't know if they'll take you out or not. And let me just say this this morning. No matter how bad your neighbors are, no matter how bad you don't like them, if they're not torturing or killing you, you're in a good place. Okay? So uh, just live with that. Don't become overwhelmed by that. Uh, God has you where you're at for a reason. Now, if you are receiving any of that kind of stuff, you should maybe move. Okay? Like, move to a different neighborhood. I don't know. But if not... This is who God has called you to reach out to. But even in the midst of Christians being persecuted, what Peter actually says is that you should not be disagreeable. Even if you're being treated badly by your neighbors, Peter says, don't be disagreeable. He says, guard your words. Don't get into spats with your neighbors. And continue to remain humble and to live at peace with them whenever you can. And so it's from this background then that Peter writes a letter to Christians as the point leader of the church. And he says these words. Can anyone really harm you for being eager to do good deeds? Even if you have to suffer for doing good deeds, God will Bless you. You see, folks, when you show love to your neighbors, God says, I'm going to bless you. Even if they don't recognize it, even if they don't respond to it, even if they don't give you a thank you, God says he is going to bless you. And then Peter goes on to say this. So stop being afraid and don't worry about what people might do. Honor Christ and let him be the Lord of your life. Always be ready to give an answer when someone asks you about your... What's the next word? What is it? Hope. Folks, the one thing that we've learned in this past year is that we all need hope. 
It's been difficult. It's been hard. And yet, you need to have hope to cope. If you're going to make it through this challenging season that we're in, you need hope. And the truth is, your neighbors need hope as well. So, what Peter is saying here is, don't be afraid of your neighbors. Actually, reach out to your neighbors. Care for your neighbors. And if it's possible, give them hope that goes beyond themselves. Because again, you need hope to cope. So, Peter kind of then shares with us two traits of a good neighbor. And that's what I want to share with you uh, for our time together. Two traits of what it means to be a good neighbor, of being a good Christian neighbor. Now, the way I'm going to do this today is by kind of building a graphic, kind of a growing graphic that you can actually write along. If you have a piece of paper, for those of you on the stream, if you have a piece of paper, pull it out and you can kind of do this graphic with me. If not, at the end, I'll tell you, hey, this is the last slide. Take a picture. Okay. And then you can just take a picture and you can have it. But some of you are artists and you might want to do this with me. Now, since we're going to do kind of this art project, I want to ask you a question here real quickly. Does anybody know who's on the screen? Who is that? Bob Ross, exactly. And Bob Ross is like our guy in Muncie, Indiana. Uh, he is our man. He is our painter. Now, typically, you would paint along with Bob. But today, you are going to draw along with Chris, okay? So you can draw along with this, or like I said, if you want to be lazy, just take a picture at the very end. All right, so let's go ahead and jump in, and let's look at the first kind of fill-in for you. And it is these two traits for being a good neighbor. And here's the first one, is that you should be a person of hope. That you should give extraordinary hope, not just any hope, but extraordinary hope to your neighbors. Again, folks, you've got to have hope in this life and your neighbors need it. You have to have hope to be able to cope. I mean, the truth is, folks, you can go a few weeks without food. You can go a few days without water. You can go a few minutes, maybe without breath. But you can't go a single moment in this life without hope. And we have an amazing hope that we're able to share with our neighbors. Now, just by a show of hands, I'm going to put a a phrase up here in a second. And tell me if this is a true statement or not. Here it is. Life is tough. Just by a show of hands. How many would say life is tough? Okay. Uh, and those who didn't raise their hands, what do we call them? Liars. Yeah. And all of you on the stream, if you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. Okay. Life is tough. Everybody would say that. We all get that. I mean, folks, it is not heaven on earth in this place. There is pain, there is illness, there's accident, there's loss, there's death. And we've experienced so much of this in this past year. And your neighbors have seen so much of this. So 
Each of your neighbors are looking for hope. They're longing for hope to exist. And not just any hope, but extraordinary hope. I mean, what Peter was talking about, folks, was not like optimism. Like, ooh, let's be optimistic. He's talking about something much, much deeper. Something that even when you are going through struggles and circumstances that are difficult, you can survive through life is tough because you know you have an extraordinary hope. So, back to the graphic and here we go. First of all, we need to have hope. And then uh, here's a person who's a Christian that has hope. But on the other side, what we'll find is that there is a person who is discouraged and struggling and not so sure. And they're looking at the other Christian and they're wondering to themselves, how can they be so hopeful? I mean, in the midst of a pandemic, what is it that they have that I don't have? Now... Let me say this, that being a Christian does not mean you have a perfect life. It does not mean that once you choose to follow Christ, that you don't have any struggles or any circumstances that are difficult. Life is tough. Uh, Scripture actually says this, it rains both on the just and the unjust. In other words, difficult things happen both to Christians and non-Christians. The difference is is that if you're a Christ follower, you have a hope even when the circumstances look like they're not going to change. So Peter says, when someone is wondering, how can you be so hopeful when there's this struggle going on? He challenges us with the verse that says, we should always be ready to give an answer When someone asks us about this hope. So if a person is like, man, I I don't know how it is that you have this hope. Why is that? First of all, we need to understand what is hope. Because if you think about it, we use that word in our vocabulary all the time. For example, you may say something like this. I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow because... I want to take a walk. I want to take a run. I want to go on a bike ride. But the truth is, when a person says, I hope this happens, they're not talking about biblical hope. What they're talking about is, I wish or I have a desire for that. But it's not New Testament hope. Biblical hope says this, folks. You might want to write it down or put it on your app. Anticipation of something better Because of what has been promised. There is actually an anticipation that we have that things are going to be better because we know that God has promised that to us. You see, when Peter was talking about hope, he's not talking like this. Cross your fingers. I hope it gets better. I don't know if it will or not, but I'm crossing my fingers that it will. Now, when he talks about hope, he's talking about a confidence, an expectation that when life is tough, that God's still going to show up and he's going to be with you 
And it may take a longer timetable than yours, but he's going to help you and give you strength along that way. Now, this is what I find kind of interesting is that word hope is very similar to another word that we use in the church a lot. And the word is gospel. Now, gospel is kind of a churchy word. Uh, we use this word, and I'm not always sure that people actually know what this word actually means. But the word gospel did not originate uh, in the church. It actually originated in the Greek society, and the word is a Greek word, and what it means is this, good news or announcing victory. So what, so what would happen when there was an emperor in the first century and they would win a war or they would secure peace or they would take domain, they would then send out a messenger back to wherever they, uh, where their hometown was and said, tell all the people that we won, we've got victory. And they would give a gospel message. They would say, we've won this, we've secured peace, this is good news. And everyone would be so excited about this good news because now this other competing country or region is not going to take us over. We found the gospel, we found the good news. A few years ago, a buddy of mine uh, called me and he said, Chris... I'm here at Walmart, and I'm telling you, dude, I just got some of the best news I've had in a long time. You need to get down here. So I'm thinking to myself that potentially, like, everything in the store is half off. Like, if I go there, I'm going to get half off of everything. Or, you know, maybe at the least, like, they're giving away free oil changes. Like, if you get your car there, they'll give you a free oil change. Or I thought, maybe... You know, maybe he actually bought me something. And so I hear him saying, I've got this great news. And then this is how he concluded it. He said this, a case of Coke is $2.99. It is the best news I've heard. Dude, you've got to get down here right now. This is the greatest gift ever. Now, the rest of that week, I had multiple people come up to me and go, did you hear did you hear this great news? I mean, I'm telling you, it's $2.99 a case for Coke at Walmart. And I'm like, holy cow. And I went and I got my cases, you know. But here's the thing, folks. I wish it was still $2.99 a case for a Coke, okay? I do. But that is not the greatest news I have ever heard in my life. In fact, I would say it's not even the goodest news is goodest a word? Well, it is today, right? Exactly. Today is the day we're going to say goodest is it. But I'm telling you, folks, the greatest news I've ever received in my life is the gospel. And the gospel means the good news of Jesus Christ, that he loves you, he's for you, he's not walking away. And even though we still don't have full light at the end of the tunnel in the pandemic that we're in right now, that he is bringing light to your life and to mine and that your neighbors are longing to hear this in this season. 
Because the good news, folks, is all about people. It's all about letting people know there's a hope that's better than what you're dealing with right now. And God's strategic plan is for you and I to share the good news. So back to the graphic. It kind of goes like this. We have this hope. We have a neighbor that is looking and saying, why are you so hopeful? And what God is calling you and I to do is to share gospel, good news to that other person. You know, folks, inside of every Christian, if you're a Christian, if you're like, hey, I believe in Jesus. And if you're not, we're just glad you're here checking us out. But if you are... There should be like a boiling up hope within you. And it's not because, you know, you picked Ohio State to lose in your bracket. Did you hear about these uh, brackets? There are only 108 as of yesterday that still have picks and that's just day one. So there's no hope in that. You've got to have a hope. That is greater than yourself. And your neighbors can always tell when it's fake. Your neighbors can always tell when you're just trying to be religious or when you're really trying to build a relationship with them. And so Peter gives us this plan of how we should go about letting people know that there's a hope. There's the good news that God loves you, that he doesn't walk away. Now, when you share the good news, I want you to know that you can receive one or two kind of responses from your neighbor. Uh, It looks something like this, that they're either going to accept you or they will reject you. Now, how many of you like to be rejected? Raise your hand. Nobody does. Like We want everyone to accept. This is the good news about sharing the gospel. You are not responsible for their response. You're not responsible for what they're going to say. Your response is simply to share the gospel. And then they can accept it or reject it. So often people are so concerned that, oh man, if they don't accept it, it's my fault. And I'm a horrible person. And then you never risk anymore. Folks... God wants you to plant tons of seeds, tons, and maybe a few of them will stick. Your role and my role is to plant the seed, to give the answer for the hope that you and I have. Not to make sure that they make it to the finish line, but to let them know there is one and Jesus helps you through that. So the first trait of being a good neighbor is simply to be a hopeful person. To actually give extraordinary hope to the people who are around you. And the second kind of trait of a good neighbor is to have undeniable grace. Undeniable grace. Folks, when your neighbors come to you, what should happen is they should see grace. They should see a person who is kind and loving regardless of their response. And this is what I mean by that. Not all of your neighbors are going to like you. Did you hear that up in the balcony? Wake up, balcony people. All right. 
Not all of your neighbors are going to like you. All of you that are on your stream, not all of your neighbors are going to like you. But it doesn't mean you have to be a nasty neighbor back to them. What it means is that you show grace because you have an extraordinary hope. And there should be, you should look different than your neighbor's. And if they're disagreeable, you don't become disagreeable with them. You don't have to agree with them, but you don't become mean and nasty and disagreeable. And so Peter, in Scripture then, gives us some characteristics of how we should respond as Christ's followers. In verse 16, Peter says this, But when you give an answer, answer in a what way? What's it say? What kind of way? Gentle way. And with what? What's it say? Respect. Keep a clear conscience so that those who speak evil of your good life in Christ will be made ashamed. Now here, what Peter gives us are some specific characteristics of how we should share the gospel. And the gospel again, what's it mean? Good news, exactly. So this is how we should act. These should be characteristics. First of all, he says we should be gentle. Gentle. Then he says not only gentleness, but we actually should share the good news in a respectful way. And then he says that those who are living a good Christian life, even if other people talk bad about you, you will be respected because... Of the way you treat others and the way you love your neighbors. Regardless of what other people say, no one will ever be able to say, oh, they're, you know, they're a a nasty church person. They'll say, no, I don't agree with anything that they say, but they are kind and they are gentle and they are respectful. So these are the characteristics that Jesus is asking us to have through Peter, who tells us this is the way we should respond. We should have these characteristics towards other folks who we are living around. And folks, again, your neighbors know when you act like this, and they also know when you don't. You can't fake out other people because they understand when it's fake and when it's true. When it's all about religion or when it truly is about a relationship. Jesus kind of put it this way. He said this, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. So your neighbors are actually going to know, are you really a person of light and life and hope and grace? Or they're going to say, well, they say they are, but they're really quite mean and nasty. And they might have a sign in their yard that says you belong. But the reality is I'd never go to their house. And, you know, when we share the gospel, folks, what's really important, too, is for you to know how to package it. So back to the graphic again. So when you're looking at this particular hope that you have, 
and you're doing it in a gentle, respectful, and you're respected. You want it to be in a nice package. You want to be able to share it in a nice package with those words. Now, the only way I could think about it is in dealing with my wife. My wife is amazing at wrapping gifts. Like when it comes to Christmas, she wraps gifts so good that people literally don't want to open it. They will look at the package and they'll be like, this package is so great. I mean, I don't know. And they know because it was wrapped so nicely that whatever the gift is inside is going to be amazing. Now, for me, on the other hand, when I wrap my gifts, they look more like this. I mean, just horrible, just like tape and nastiness and and no one. They look at my gift. They're like, whatever's in that is not as good. And they're right. My gifts are never as good as my wife's Jennifer gifts. So if you get a gift from me and Jen, throw mine away, re-gift it, keep hers. Okay. And folks, what Peter is saying in this passage is that when you share the good news, you need to package it in such a way that people actually will want to open it. And so he says you should be gentle and respectful. And because you act in a certain way, people will respect you. You'll be respected. Now, again, they still might reject your answer, but that doesn't matter as much as the fact that you have given your life to being kind and loving to the neighbor around you. And you've earned the right of that neighbor. That neighbor will always trust you when you're gentle and respectful and respected. Now, in contrast to the gospel, when it's not wrapped in a nice, kind way, it can look very different. It can look more like the package that I wrapped. Or even worse, maybe it's like a trash bag. And it's like you're a Christian, you say you are, but what comes out is kind of smelly, nasty, and kind of stinky. So what is it that allows a package to look like that? What is a nasty wrapped package? Well, I was thinking about it. What is the opposite of gentle? I'd say it's harsh, right? It's harsh. What is the opposite of being respectful. I'd say arrogant. It's a person who's arrogant. What is the opposite of, you know, uh, that whole sense of being respected? I would say that there's no credibility. That you might say you're a Christian, but you have no cred whatsoever within your world. And let me tell you something. If you are someone who is harsh to your neighbors, then you'll probably do it with your words. When they don't mow their grass or they don't do something that you don't like, you kind of go off towards them. You're harsh with your words. You're harsh maybe on social media. Uh, I've seen so many this week where people actually go on social media, put their neighbor down. Like the neighbor doesn't ever look at Facebook or anything else. Like, how is that helpful? Or if you're arrogant, then you always think that you're better than somebody else. If you have no credibility, if you have no cred, people will never ask you questions about the faith or to reach out to you. 
And then your neighbors are kind of like, well, I'm not going to believe in him. I'm not going to believe in her. And if you act like this, no matter what hope you share, it does not sound hopeful to that person. They tune you out. And Peter says, instead of accepting that message, what they will do is that they will reject it. And it's all because of the way that you package the good news. You weren't gentle and respectful. You actually were harsh and arrogant when you did that. So let me just say this. If you have that attitude towards any one of your neighbors, stop it. Just stop it. Well, the day that my neighbor took his life, I knew nothing about him or his name. But the next day, I found out that his name was Ivan and that his wife was Maria. And now she had three kids that she was going to have to somehow make it through the rest of their life without a husband. And what I did on that day is I walked down two doors and I was gentle and I was respectful. I sat on a couch with Maria and her three kids and we wept and we cried together. Now, for the two years before that, I was harsh. I didn't want to know my neighbors. I wanted to just be a pastor by myself and only the people in the church, but not my neighbors. On that particular day, I also was respectful of what they were going through, the pain, the struggle that they were experiencing. You see, the two years before that, I was arrogant. I thought I was better than them because they had the police down at their house and things were going on. And yet I thought I was better. And it taught me so much, folks. That particular day was a defining moment in my life that Jesus really meant not just to love God, but to love your neighbor as well. And I started to understand what it meant to love neighbors. And just because I walked down for one day, they asked me to do the funeral. And so I did the funeral of Ivan, who I didn't know. And on that particular day, the church was packed. It was the largest crowd that had ever been in that church in the two years that I had been a pastor. And we had 20 people accept Christ on that day. In fact, when I said, raise your hand if you want to accept Christ, I was like, no. Do you really know what that means? And I had to ask it a second time. And six months later, Maria and her three kids were baptized. And the whole reason that happened, folks, was simply because I chose to love my neighbor. It was not about the fact that I was some amazing evangelist who was able to draw people in. It was simply because I chose to love and to be with my neighbor. And then there was a ripple effect with all of their friends and the kingdom changed because of that. And so today, 
This is what's going to happen to each one of you. And even those of you that are on the stream, at some point this will take place, whether you go to the store or whatever. You'll drive back into your neighborhood. And the question is, will you know your neighbors? Because there will be neighbors that are on other sides of doors who feel discouraged, who feel down, who feel all alone. And the question is, will you love your neighbor? Will you reach out to your neighbors? Will you try to know your neighbor's names? Will they recognize that you have an extraordinary hope, that you have an undeniable grace that you long to give to them? And we gave you some options today that you can try that. The free card where you can just do some kind act for your neighbor. You don't have to say anything. But here I just wanted to say it's great to be your neighbor. Or maybe you kind of prime the pump on that. And then next week you're like, hey, I don't know, but it's been a tough year. If you want to come on Easter, here's an invite for that as well. It's amazing to me that all of these years I've stayed in contact with Maria and her three kids. And they sent me a picture. They're much bigger and older now. And their life is different Again, not because of anything that I did. I was that neighbor who was harsh and arrogant and had no credibility even as a pastor. But what changed everything around was simply to love my neighbor. So my question today for you is, will you this week love your neighbor? And what would it look like if neighbors came on Easter? Imagine what it would be if they came because you chose to love them. Let's pray. Loving God, I know it, take, it takes risk. I know it's a challenge for each of us to walk across the street, walk across the cul-de-sac, walk across the apartment complex. But the truth is, God, that you've placed us in the house or the apartment that we're in or the rental that we have because you want us to be light to the neighbors that are around us. And in a year, God, where there's been so much darkness, God, we pray that you would help us to know how to be light. Give us creativity to do things, God, whether it's to just give a free gift to a neighbor and a way to watch you open doors by us simply choosing to love our neighbors as ourselves. Now, maybe the truth is today, some of you, when you thought about hope, you're like, I don't have that much hope myself. It's been a struggle for me, and I need hope in my life. And so I want you to know that there is extraordinary hope in Jesus Christ, and you can have that relationship today. And so if you're like, you know, I've drifted away, but I, I'm ready to drift back. I need that hope. I need His undeniable grace. Grace that says there's nothing I can do to make me love God 
more. There's nothing I can do that is going to make God love me less. That God is going to love me no matter what. Then I invite you to simply share a prayer with me. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's a prayer that we pray in unity together. And so you're not praying this alone. And so I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.